Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome to our good news segment. Now, look, if you're excited, like most of us are, you're looking at the summer and you're saying, here's where I want to go. This is what I want to do. But you're also thinking, wait a minute, what is the best financially smart way to do it? Fanoush Tarabi is joining me here today. Why? Personal finance expert, because we now have new ways of looking at having a great time and then at the same time, thinking about how am I going to be able to stretch this this dollar to make sure I even have more fun. Fanoush, it's great to have you here. Welcome. Thanks, Dr. Pat. Great to be here. So you are a best-selling financial author. You're contributing editor to Time Magazine, Next Advisor. You have been on air. You have been speaking and advising for so many people. Right now, there are many people in, in America eager to get on the road, to get back to spending. You know it, and I know it. When I say that, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Oh, gosh, I, I want to say slow down. Really. <laughs> you know, I think there's a lot of excitement, and I'm right there with everybody, but it's really important to not uh, go back to making some of the mistakes that we were making before the pandemic, which was that a lot of us arrived in this pandemic without a savings cushion. Um, and I think that was a real wake-up call. And one of the silver linings maybe in this entire year and a half, if we've been fortunate to have work, to be working, is that we've been saving more. Um, and that's true nationally. The savings rate is in, in double-digit territory, which we haven't seen in many years. And so don't kind of reverse all the good work that you have done with your money. And I know you want to spend on experiences and we should definitely treat ourselves. We've deserved, we've earned it, but do it in a very strategic way. Have a plan. Look at the summer as being sort of this marathon, right? And not a sprint. You want to stretch out these experiences, have them be really meaningful. I always like to center things around a theme. So if the summer theme for you is reconnection, right? Because you've been missing out on seeing your loved ones, well, you can reconnect in your backyard at a park, you know, have a potluck. Uh, you don't have to go uh, to some sort of fancy beach somewhere or get on a plane for that. There's a lot of ways to do that meaningful thing on, uh, on a budget. And I love the idea of one pacing yourself, but hit the pause button for a moment to think this through. Um, just because you hit the pause button, uh, Fanoush, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have a fantastic summer, right? And so if we do that and we get creative, what can, what are the possibilities? Well, you know, first, I just want to say that experiences are a great way to invest your money. You know, we don't say money buys happiness, 
But it is true. The studies have shown that experiences more than, say, buying a new outfit uh, can increase happiness levels. And, you know, think about that experience. What do you want to experience? And, and really uh, work on that. And uh, no good decision is ever made hastily, especially financial ones. So just know that in this case, you know, the patients will pay off, uh, that um, the summer days are long and we have a, a lot more of an opportunity to enjoy the outdoors this season, but you got to be really careful and thoughtful and, and make it count, right? You want, you want to make it count. You know, one of the things I know you say is get in the driver's seat with your finances. Boy, I think that's one of the most powerful messages we can have right now. And, you know, can you talk to this? Because when we say get in the driver's seat with your finances, we're not saying don't enjoy yourself, but we're saying get in the driver's seat. What does that look like when you hear that? Well, it is true that oftentimes we get, we think we're in the driver's seat, but we put everything on autopilot, right? Or we're just looking to the GPS to tell us when to turn left. And I think that that in some cases can be helpful, but it's important to also know how, you know, what your, de what your ultimate destination is, what your goals are along the way. And, and, you know, along the way you might hit a detour and that your GPS is not going to be able to help you there. So uh, I use this metaphor because when it comes to our finances, we tend to put a lot of stuff on autopilot. We tend to uh, take the reins, you know, uh, pull away from the driver's seat, so to speak. And um, really dangerous when we do that. We can, uh, you know, not use another metaphor, but we can derail our financial planning that way. Uh, so with that, revisit your budget. And if there were some things that you were paying automatically, subscriptions or even like car insurance, you might have been paying for that automatically thinking, well, there's not really much to negotiate there. You may actually be in the wrong there. And it may be to your benefit to make some really key switches. These small but very significant changes in our budget can go a very long way in saving you much money over time. So in the scheme of things, let's talk about how we save, because I did exactly what you talked about earlier. I took a look at some of the subscriptions I had, and I saw a charge this morning, and I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know why I'm still subscribing to that. And so, yeah. you know, those are the kinds of things, believe it or not, they can add up to saving a lot of money, right? Very much can. Yes, we tend to forget our own habits. And we, you know, we have busy lives, we forget what we signed up for. And, you know, we may have signed up for something in the moment, it was very meaningful. And it meant it made a lot of sense. But now with our lives changing, it's important to revisit every single line item and be like, is this, is this me still? Do I need this? Um, that, you know, subscriptions add up, right? Every single month. And that's money that you could instead be putting towards your, you know, your travel fund, your retirement account. It does go a long way. Um, you know, with with our family, we made some adjustments in the pandemic that I mm -hmm. think are going to last. You know, frankly, we reemerge where we weren't eating out as much. We were cooking at home. That was out of necessity. But honestly, that was a huge savings. And we learned yeah. to enjoy that. Right. It became a ritual in our house. Uh, we switched car insurance. We realized we're, you know, we're low mileage drivers in this pandemic. We drive less than 10,000 miles a year. So we should find a way to benefit from that. And there's actually an, um, a new insurance company called Metro Mile, where 
they charge you by the miles that you drive. Simply that. And it is a huge savings for our family, over $1,000 a year, in fact. And even in this post-pandemic world, we're sure we'll be driving again some more, yep. but not at you know, 2018, 2019 levels. Yeah. So let's do this. A lot to learn, a lot to talk about. You've given us some great suggestions. Uh, Fanoush, how do people find out more? Well, I have a podcast. It's uh, called So Money with Farnoosh Tarabi. You're welcome to listen and subscribe. Fridays, we take our listener questions. And so if you've got a question for me, that's a great way to uh, share it. And also to learn more about Metro Mile, I've actually partnered with them. There is a website, metromile.com, or you can search for Metro Mile in your favorite app store to learn if it's available in your state. And you can take on their ride along challenge two weeks test drive it, uh, see if it would actually make sense for you to switch insurance companies. And you can do this any point of the year. People often think I got to wait for my insurance to run out before I can switch. That is not true. Wow. Look, thank you so much because you're right. People are getting out there. Personal message. What do you want to leave us with? Well, I think that I've been um, really uh, interested in reminding people that you want to do you this summer and forever, right? I mean, I think the pandemic was a real inflection point for a lot of us. We we came to terms with what's really important. I think hopefully for a lot of us, it was a, re, a self-examination. And I think that the closer you get to who you are and, and you align your financial decisions with that, I think the richer life you can have, right? So do you, if you want to do something really special and different this summer, find a way to afford that and do that because life is uh, unpredictable. It's too short and we should do only the things that really are important to us. I love it. Thank you, Panoush. We're going to take a short break, everybody. And what a powerful message. We'll be right back. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Grace your space with flair. Dragon art to soothe your soul by Colette Marie Steffen is available now. Colette invested an average of six months on each painting. Her piece titled Courage took three years to complete. The paintings are printed with the latest technology to best capture the true essence of the paintings. Browse the 64 dragons and dragonflies and order your paintings today at talesfromthevector.com. Not just talk, conversation for profound self-awareness. Stick with us. Your best life awaits on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Does your life often feel like an emotional tsunami where rogue waves crash down on you, leaving you feeling hopeless and wondering if it will ever end? Do you wish to awaken the dormant strength inside of you Imagine what it would be like to turn your pain into purpose. Start today by scheduling a complimentary consultation with Martinet. Dive into your healing journey and begin to see your life in a new light. Visit martineemmons.com and make your appointment today. Hey everybody, welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. The other day, you heard me talk about many things about returning back, dot, 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 fill in the blanks. But one of the things I talked about is returning back and what is the plan for your animal friends? 
um, what's the plan for your dogs? What's the plan for your cats? Have you thought about that? I know you have because you've called into the show. Diana Mendoza is joining us here today. Uh, and, and what I want to say about Diana is that we are here to talk about what her role is in looking at companion, our animal friends, and what PETA is doing to really address the change. And these are drastic changes. You're going to go from one day, you're at home, the whole family, and then the next, you're not. Uh, Diana, am I over, am I exaggerating that? No, no, not at all. You know, this is a huge change for our animals. They're, they really thrive in a solid routine. So now that things are reopening and people are heading back to the office, it's really important that we come up with a plan to help our animals adjust because they are really going to miss having us home all the time. Um, you, you know, I, I know that a lot of people might be thinking, oh, okay, you know, I wasn't home before. So let's just tackle that one for a minute. Uh, I wasn't home before. And so this shouldn't be a big deal. But that's not the case. I mean, there has been, you know, connections, the our animal friends, our dogs and cats have been with families now through the thick of it. And, you know, there has to be some way to look at de-stressing what that's going to be like for, for them, but the entire family. Can you tell us or give us some information about what you've discovered and what people can do? Yeah, absolutely. So PETA just published um, a whole list of advice and tips on how to ease this transition for our dogs and cats at home. And that is at PETA.org slash back to work. But I definitely want to get into some of this just yeah. uh, now, um, you know, it, it is true. They, they've been with us for through the thick and thin, and it's probably been the best year of their lives, even if it's been the worst for us. Um, and a lot of people have adopted animals from open admission shelters, which we obviously love, but for them, it's an entirely new situation. There was no before time right. for them to adjust to. Um, so it is important that we, we come up with ways to help them adjust. And one of the simple ways is to sort of phase them into us being gone. You know, maybe we, we take a walk for five minutes without our dog and then we come back and they're like, oh, okay, well, it's not a big deal that you left because it was a short period of time and you came back. And once they kind of get used to that and get used to not being, you know, glued to our side all day long, we can kind of start extending those periods longer and longer until they get used to, to us coming and going and schedules changing. You know, there are some things that I know that you all have prepared for people, some things we can do, um, some things that perhaps we were not really mindful of before the pandemic, but now we need to be more mindful of, you know, what can people do to make this transition uh, one that is, how should I say it, kind, gentle, and caring for all? Because I think animal, our animal friend owners, our companions, they don't really mean to add more stress to their pets, but they just don't know what to do. So give us some tips. Absolutely. You know, and that's, that's the exact reason that we put this out because it can be difficult to, to sort of pinpoint what's happening with our animals. They definitely can get separation anxiety or depression. 
And those things might manifest in maybe negative behaviors that they didn't have before. And may, some people might just be like, what's going on? And not realize that it's because our animals are stressed out and they're missing us and they're sad and lonely. So in addition to uh, getting them accustomed to us being gone more, uh, it's a really great and important thing to spend time with them before we head out the door in the morning. Yeah. Uh, wake up a little earlier and take a nice long walk with your dog. Let them really sniff and, and explore. Um, I always say that that dogs see the world through their nose. You know, we we've got we've got our phones, we've got newspapers, we've got the internet, television, all those things to keep us entertained. Dogs have their noses. It's how they they learn what's going on in the neighborhood. Who's what dog or animal, other animal has been by, you know, it tells them so much. So it is really important that we aren't just dragging them along on their morning walk, that we're not just, you know, in a rush. Let them, let them take their time and explore. Um, and that also goes for, for cats as well. They need time to, to play with us in the morning also, uh, whether it's breaking out the laser pointer or uh, just, just spending some time snuggling. These this simple TLC in the morning will really go a long way to mm -hmm. letting you be calm and relaxed during the day when we're gone. Now, is your sense, um, I know where I live, I have a sense of what's happening here and how many people are returning back to the workplace. But we also, I also live in a place where the whole idea about working from home was more of a norm than most places. But what is your sense of the numbers of people that are returning? And I want to just talk for a minute, if you could, the potholes that they're stepping in around this and they don't even know about. Right. So I think this last year has really changed the way that employees and employers look at the work structure. You know, a lot of people don't necessarily want to go back to the office. They've, they've moved to be closer to family or to improve their quality of life. So I think we're really going to see a shift in how people work in general. And I think that animals are really going to be a part of that equation. Um, you know, we definitely want to, to put ourselves in their, in their paws, I like to say, put ourselves in our animals' paws uh, and think about what this is going to be like for them to experience. They don't know that we've been in the pandemic. All they know is they've had us every day for the last year. We're their whole worlds. So yeah. if we're just suddenly gone for eight hours. They're not going to know what's going on. Um, and if, you know, they're used to having us here and all of a sudden they're being locked in a crate for hours on end, that's, that's a, a horrible thing for them to have to, to go through. It's, it's heartbreaking. They, they just aren't going to understand that at all. Um, so we definitely advise against crating because it's, it's confusing and it's, you know, it basically limits them from doing anything other than standing yeah. up, and laying down. And it's, it's really not a dead, the way that it's been, it's been construed. It's not, it's a cage. Um, so we, again, we want to make them as comfortable and happy as possible. Yeah. Uh, whether it's going for a run in the morning or playing at home or just snuggling, you know, I, I, I know I sleep better when I exercise. So, <laughs> you know, why wouldn't our dogs and cats tire them out, let them have that uh, mental and physical stimulation so that they're just happy and content. 
Yeah, this is actually a two for Diana. And what I mean by that is if we could get into the habit of walking our, our dogs in the morning, the two is we'll be able to take off a couple of those pounds that we put on during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, but, but thank you for bringing up the crate because this, this has been a controversial, misunderstood. Um, I have heard so many things in the 17 years I've been doing this about crates that never made sense to me. So mm -hmm. thank you for bringing that up. I want to make sure everybody knows that joining me here today, Diana Mendoza is a companion animal program manager for people for the ethical treatment of animals, PETA. I cannot tell you enough about PETA. Please go to PETA.org. This is one aspect of the work we do with them to get the message out. Um, here's the thing I wanna ask you about. Many people have not exactly gone back to work yet. Can't they start this process now? I mean, I'm trying to imagine how to start it. So can't they start this process now and starting to make this tra these transitional changes before it's that stark, all right, we're all out of the house again. Oh, absolutely. And we definitely recommend that. You know, we, like I said, uh, they're, they're animals, of, animals are creatures of, of habit. They love a routine. They love knowing, you know, what, when they're going to be fed, uh, where, when they're going to go out. They love all of these things. So it's really important that we, we do um, sort of ease them into this process. Yeah. Mm. Um, if for some reason, say like you get the call and you got to go back to work tomorrow, you know, there's still things that we can do. Maybe have a friend or a family member come over to spend time with your dog or your cat. Uh, you can hire a dog walker or consider taking them to doggy daycare. Yep. But of course, you know, you'll want to do your research and make sure that they're trustworthy and have a good reputation before you trust them with your pooch. I got to talk about cats for a minute. Yeah. Okay. So I had a conversation the other day and I was saying, look, I know what you think about your cat, but please don't think for one minute that your cat doesn't know that you've been home 18 months. You've been sitting there, cat jumps up on the computer, like the cat knows. So I think cats get left out of the conversation a bit because they have this, uh, let's say reputation for being independent, for, but we can't leave them out of this. What can we do with cats? What kind of toys, what can we do? Oh yeah, absolutely. They need just as much love and attention as our dogs. And anyone who has a cat knows that they have their own unique personality for sure. Um, the thing with cats is that you want to do the same thing. You want to play with their favorite toys, whether it's one of those wand toys or a laser pointer, you want to engage them, make sure they have their scratching posts, all those things, and that they're set up for success before you leave in the morning. Uh, some great toys are uh, anything filled with catnip. Um, we actually have a really great list of DIY cat toys that are very inexpensive or free on the PETA website, PETA.org. One of my favorites is to put a couple ping pong balls in a bowl of water and that'll keep them entertained for hours. Yeah. But yeah, I know about ping pong. I play ping pong at a professional level. So I, I totally, if that's my number one recommendation. And I tell people you need the balls, I'll send them to you. Um, <laughs> uh, look, I know these interviews are short. Um, and one I want to uh, thank you for bringing the message out there. I always want to thank PETA for what you do. And 
to really shine the light on some of the cruelties out in the world. But more than that, you know, your activism has saved so many of our animal friends. And I'm not just talking about dogs and cats. Um, I want to ask you this one question that seems to be controversial, but I don't think it is. The mm -hmm. idea of interactive toys while you're away, especially for dogs. Now, we talked about catnip. Talk about dogs for a little bit. And I wonder if you have that same list on your website. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the PETA.org slash back to work has a ton of suggestions as well. And I'm sure there's, there. I know for sure we have, you know, homemade dog treats and things of that nature. Uh, so there's tons of stuff. Basically, whatever you're looking for, you can find on PETA.org. Um, but some some uh, suggestions I have right now is to get a, maybe a puzzle toy, which you know there's there's all kinds yeah. of ones where they slide things around. Oh, okay. Things open, you know, uh, and they they find treats or they they roll maybe it's they roll a ball until the treat falls out of the hole. They kind of work it out. Um, and then also those Kong toys, those those rubber hollow cone toys that you feel. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's my dog's favorite. I love it. Okay. <laughs> I like to put, like chopped apples in there along with her kibble. And what I'll even do is I'll seal it with some peanut butter and then freeze it because that way it lasts even longer. She's going to keep licking at the peanut butter and trying to work through it to get to those treats inside. And that just provides even more uh, stimulation and entertainment for her. You know, these are great ideas, and I know you all are at the top of the list um, of, of this. And one of the things I want to ask you is uh, it came up the other day on a show, and it was exactly the scenario we're looking at. And one of the people indicated that they turned off their automatic messaging machine and went to an old school messaging machine and would call in and leave a message for their dogs. Now, I don't know if this is on the PETA list. I just wonder what you think about that. <laughs> I think that's a really thoughtful thing to do. And again, you know, with all of these tips, you're just going to want to find what works best for your animal. You know, we hear mm -hmm. that some animals love getting the little, you know, uh, video calls from their, their human, they like the sound of their voice. Some people say it just makes them more anxious and confuses them. They're looking around trying to find you. It really <sighs> depends on what works for your animal and finding, finding the right thing to keep them happy. Yeah, I could tell you I had a uh, full-grown collie for 13 years. And, uh, you know, as you indicated, there are some of our animal friends that would love a call. And if you were Travis, he'd probably just roll over and go to sleep and say, geez, leave me alone. Um, <laughs> Diana, thank you. One last question. Uh, what's your personal message? What do you want to leave us with today? What didn't I ask you about? You know, as someone who works on companion animal issues in LA, I see firsthand the overpopulation crisis. Uh, and what, what I really want to say to everyone is to always, always adopt from your local open admission shelter, never buy from pet stores or breeders, and to get your animals spayed or neutered so we can bring down the number of homeless animals living in shelters and on the streets. And if you've done all that already, talk to your friends and family about the importance of it as well, because we can solve this homeless animal crisis. It's in our power. And it starts with these simple, easy actions. My gosh, uh, that's a whole nother interview that you and I can do. Uh, and 
and also the impact of how many new animal friends have been added to families right now. Uh, Diana, thank you so much. Please give out that website one last time. Absolutely. So everything we talked about today and more can be found at PETA.org slash back to work. Um, listen, everybody, let's go to a short break, but I want to say when you go over to the website, there's way more information over there. So please browse around. I know you're going to find something of interest to you. And again, our friends at PETA.org, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you, Diana. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. All right. Let's take a short break, everybody. And remember, these are your companions. Treat them with love and kindness. We'll be right back. Have you ever felt like if you just had the right tools and resources, you'd be able to carve a path toward the life your heart is aching for? Guess what? You have everything you need inside you. I'm Natasha Ornedo, and I'm here to show you that your healing is in your hands. Tune into my show, Unlock the Healing Path, every second and fourth Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. To learn more about me and my work, visit NatashaOrnedo.com. Close your eyes and imagine what it would feel like to live a life driven by purpose and passion. Feels great, doesn't it? Tune in to Awareness to Action every first and third Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific with me, Joan Marlowe. I'm here to help you navigate your unique journey toward purpose while embracing your authenticity. Visit my website, peacefullyhealing.com and don't miss Awareness to Action on transformationtalkradio.com. Even though your home base is one Enneagram type, you have characteristics of all the types. Tune in to Enneagram Conversations with Renee Siegel the second and fourth Monday of each month at 4 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn how you can unlock your unlimited potential. Visit YouArePurePotential.com for more about Renee and her work. That's the letter U, the letter R, PurePotential.com. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. And, you know, I'm talking about a tough subject, and it's still our good news segment. How many of us have gone down the pathway and taken the journey with people we loved, with people that have gone through the struggles of childhood cancer, have gone through, you know, what it means to really enter a journey that many of us have not even thought about? thought that we would have to do. But who are the people that are out there and looking at what the impact is? What does it look like for you to go through childhood cancer, to become a survivor? What are the steps that you take in life, the walk that you know have, the journey that is so unique to you? And where do you get support? One of the things that I've really talked about for over a decade, is who is looking at helping the mental, the psychological, the emotional side of childhood cancer survivors? You know who's doing that? Dr. Timothy Perlman, psychologist at Lori Cancer Center at Northwestern Medicine. Yes, finally, the STAR program, Survivors Taking Action and Responsibility. Dr. Timothy, it's great to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. 
this has been for me, um, man, I, I don't even want to reference how long this has been for me, because then you'll be like, oh, she's that old. Um, <laughs> um, and I really mean it. Maybe there are some people out there, independent, unique, that are really looking at what the impact is, you know, what the psychological and emotional impact is. But I have not heard of many programs. I want to ask you this question, and Dr. Perlman, if you don't mind. Look, you're a psychologist, but here's what I know about people that are passionate. There's something that touched you in your heart for you to be a champion of this. What was it? Oh, that's a great question. So I, there was absolutely something that touched me in my heart. My, uh, both my grandmother, who passed away this past year at 98 years of age, and my mother were both uh, over 30 year survivors of breast cancer. And so I really had the opportunity as a child to see them both go through that. And it really kind of pointed me in this direction, realizing that the, it's so much more than just the medical challenges that cancer survivors face. There are so many psychological and practical challenges as well. You know, when you get touched uh, in the heart and you know, this is something that for me, I've, I've really started to reflect back on the many people I've interviewed. When something happens like that, you're not exactly sure, Dr. Perlman, you're not exactly sure, wow, I see myself one day talking on multiple radio television networks about a program that is transformative and life empowering for people. Fast forward to where you are today. How did you get to here? Well, so I'd like to say it was by some plan or design, but a lot of it, honestly, just like with any of us, was was luck and being in the right place at the right time. Um, I've been really fortunate to be here at Northwestern where they had this program established. Um, and this program has been in existence for 20 years now. It was one of the first programs in the world that focused on adult survivors of childhood cancers. Um, because I think for the longest time, people just kind of assumed, you know, children are so resilient, they're, they can bounce back from anything. And so once the cancer treatment's done, they're just gonna reintegrate into their classrooms and their social networks. And we now have realized with, you know, two decades of research that that's not the case for a lot of, a lot of childhood cancer survivors. Survivors. They face a host of issues. Um, let's talk about the, the leap. I like to call it a leap of faith, but I have to tell you what you've put together is a leap of faith and extraordinary action. Let's talk about the STAR program. I, I, I'd love to start out with this. You know, many of us would be sitting here as, uh, just, just, you know, Dr. Perman, very naturally thinking, of course, of course, childhood cancer survivors need this kind of support. But that's really a question that has kind of gone by without attention. Tell us about the underpinnings that happen with an individual that goes through the journey of childhood cancer survivor. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the, the crux of this, right? Um, so, you know, I think survivors of childhood cancers, oftentimes, if you look at them, they seem like they're fine. They, they yeah. look normal, they act normal, they have normal friendships and relationships. But as I said, you know, the past two decades of research have really showed that 
survivors of childhood cancer are susceptible to a host of problems, some of which we knew about the medical side. So, you know, certain chemotherapy regimens can lead to cardiac problems as an adult or to early osteoporosis, those kinds of things. But what really wasn't focused on very much was what are some of the psychological and practical needs that, that survivors of childhood cancer have? So there can be long-term issues with kind of PTSD sort of symptoms, um, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, fear of recurrence, um, kind of survivor's guilt if they've seen some of their peers in the hospital pass away. Um, and then also we know that there's there can be some really practical and financial concerns that adult survivors of childhood cancer have. They tend to be underemployed. They may have difficulty at times working full-time jobs. And so that has a, an immediate impact on their financial status, their families, where they live, all of those things. Um, so it's really important to, to do kind of the overall assessment of the whole person and not just the medical issues. So in that assessment, um, doctor, and, and this is what I know, but I want our listeners to know, in that assessment, in looking at this and in your research, you have identified what I call indicators of what people, childhood cancer survivors, really need. And this is why this is such an important conversation. It's not like a bunch of us are sitting around a conference table and we think, oh, maybe they need this. So out of this comes STAR program. Tell us what you discovered would be in such incredible support of these survivors. And what does the STAR program do for them? Yeah, great question. So the STAR program, and also it's not just for childhood survivors. Um, we also provide survivorship services to all cancer survivors. And, and by survivorship, I mean, as your cancer treatment is coming to a close, then you get a full assessment um, with our full team of professionals and you get an actual survivorship care plan that's given to you as the patient and really empowers you to take that back to your community, to your primary care providers, um, and to share that with them. Because interestingly, a lot of primary care providers don't feel particularly competent at, at doing the long-term follow-up for cancer survivors. And so this really allows patients to be empowered in this process and to pull together their teams um, so that they're very involved in their own care and surveillance over time. So let's just talk about the Cancer Survivorship Institute at the Lurie uh, Cancer Center. Um, we're, we're really, the, the, let's talk about the end game because there is an end game. The end game is to improve patient outcomes. Now, can we talk about that for a minute? Because anybody that has had an illness, let's say, or an illness that you think can reoccur, that carries a myriad of psychological, mental, um, remunerative kinds of impact. And let me, let me just drop a note out there and then you can chime in, please. You know, how many days do you wake up wondering, is it back? What happens if maybe you develop a cough? I mean, these are not necessarily physical things, but these are things that emotionally and mentally need to have support. People need to have support. What are you doing to address that? And what, what do we say to the parents or the guardians of a child with cancer to help them manage the emotional and mental side of this? 
Yeah, so I think you touch on two really important points. The first of which is we as a healthcare community have not done a very good job of asking patients and cancer survivors about their needs. You know, medical appointments are so, you know, rushed. There's so much stuffed into those visits that a lot of times as treatment providers, we just don't do a good job of saying, how is your mood? Are you depressed? Are you having some of this anxiety? Um, so one of the things we've tried to kind of bake into our system here, and I think you'll see this a lot more over the next few years in other centers as well, is we've tried to go directly to the patient and say, you tell us how you're feeling. And so we've implemented an electronic uh, distress screener where we ask about levels of depression, levels of anxiety, how fatigued are you? Are you having yeah. problems with pain? Have there been changes in your physical functioning? Are, are you smoking? Um, do you have nutritional concerns? Um, and we give that to patients 72 hours before any visit with their oncology team. And so then if patients score high on any of those areas, we get those messages pushed to us as the treatment providers prior to their appointment so that we can then go in with that ammunition and say, you know, Mrs. Smith, I see that you're experiencing a lot of fatigue and you've scored high on depression. Let's talk about some ways we can help you. Um, and that's really important because it takes the burden off both the provider care team and also it takes the burden off the patients because we know that a lot of times patients won't report those things because they want their oncologist to be laser focused on curing their cancer. So I've had patients come to me and say, I've been depressed for the past two years, but I haven't told anybody because I don't want my doctors to be distracted. I want them to focus on curing my cancer and I can deal with the other side effects from the treatment. So that's the one thing we've tried to really implement here. Um, the second thing that you've touched on is like, what can parents do if their child has been diagnosed with cancer? And I think the most important thing, if I could give any message, is just keep the lines of communication open. I think it's really easy for parents to, to fall into the trap of, of thinking, you know, my child has been through so much with their treatment, they don't wanna talk about this stuff anymore. And so they just don't ask. Um, but it's really important to actually raise that conversation with your kids, ask them how they're doing in school, ask them if they're having any problems, ask them how they're feeling physically so that kids know they don't, they don't have to protect you. They don't have to be a superhero. If they're having problems, they can come to you as their parents and let you know. You know, I, I can't thank you enough for this. Um, before we get too far here, how do people find out more about the program? How do they get more detail that we're not going to be able to cover in this short interview? Because, I mean, we're talking about the side of cancer that is life changing for a future that is fearless, you know, a future that allows survivors to be all they can be. How do people find out more about this? Yes. And, and I think you raise a really good point there, too. I don't want to just focus on the negatives here. Yeah. You know, that we had, you know, a few million cancer survivors back in the mid 70s when the National Cancer Act was signed into law by President Nixon. We now have almost 17 million cancer survivors in the United States. So wow. there have been huge improvements and changes in the treatment such that we now have people living many, 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 many years past their, their diagnosis and active treatment. So there's a really good silver lining to, to the dark cloud of cancer when it comes to this. Um, and there are a number of resources that people can go to, but we have a, a list on our, our website, which is NM, 
as in Northwestern Medicine, nm.org slash cancer. And they'll have access to all the links to both our Cancer Survivorship Institute, but also a number of resources for other things like the National Cancer Institute, their survivorship toolkit, um, the American Cancer Society, and so forth. You know, um, Dr. Perlman, I know we've talked about a lot, and I'm pretty sure that in your world, there's quite a bit that we didn't talk about. I want to wrap this up by asking you this last question. One, again, mention how people can find out more. But what have I left out? What have I not asked you about? I guess the only thing I would I would end on is one of the again, it's kind of a silver lining of this dark cloud of the past year of COVID is that if you were a person who was diagnosed with cancer and didn't live in a big city where you had access to support groups and yoga classes and those kinds of things, you really, you really didn't have that support. You couldn't find a support group in your community. And almost overnight with COVID, all of those resources have gone online. So patients can now join a support group, find peer mentorship with somebody who's been diagnosed with the same thing, gone through the same treatment. They can access exercise classes, cooking demonstrations, all of those things. So um, I think people really have much more access to support than they did even a year ago. Wow. Last question. What's your personal message, Dr. Perlman? What would you like to leave us with today? I think cancer survivors are going to continue to grow in population. And I think this is both a time for celebration, but also to really talk about some of these unique issues that cancer survivors face over the long term. Mm. And I know you're going to do that. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. Thank Thank you for having me. This has been a pleasure. Yeah. And please, this is something that applies. You know, someone that has had cancer, you know, someone that has a child. I know you do because those numbers Dr. Perlman just talked about, they're for real. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Get empowered. mindfulness staying present to the moment without judgment it sounds simple but we know on a bad day it's tough to achieve so here's a two-minute drill you can use to enhance your capacity for mindfulness find an activity you do every day like washing the dishes or brushing your teeth and while you're doing it focus on nothing else not your to-do list not worries about the past not rehearsing conversations just the physical sensation of engaging in that activity as we enhance our capacity for mindfulness in these ordinary activities, we're better able when the going gets rough to bring that capacity to bear, to be calm and authentic in in those moments. If you'd like to learn more about how to enhance mindfulness in your life, contact me at mcguirelifecoach.com and listen to Nothing But Now on Transformation Talk Radio, Thursdays at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern. Your inspiration all day on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Welcome to October's meditation. Find a place you can relax and refocus for the next 10 minutes. Do not drive or operate any machinery while listening to this meditation. Let's start by acknowledging the thoughts that keep creeping in as we settle into our space. 
As we acknowledge those thoughts, we put them into bubbles, allowing them to float off. Anytime you have thoughts creep in, put them in those bubbles and release them off into the universe. Good, now I want us to focus on our breath as we slow down, become focused and aware of our breath. We settle into our space going deeper and deeper. Take a few more deep cleansing breaths, moving that stagnant energy up and out of your physical body. Let any tension, discomfort, worry, leave from your body now. You do not need to carry that energy around with you any longer. Good, now I want us to continue to release. Release the energy that you've been holding onto for days, years, and even lifetimes. I want you to move your energy to the front of a labyrinth. Take note of the smells around you, the sounds from all directions. What is the weather like? Looking into your labyrinth, are the walls tall like corn growing in the fields? Or are they thick bushes you can see over? Or maybe it's comprised of rocks guiding you in a beautiful pattern of circles. When you're ready, step into the labyrinth. I want you to tell me how many paths lead from the front of your labyrinth. Take note of that number. Now I want you to pick one. Decide on one path which you will follow today. Good, now when you're ready to start, head down the path of your choice. As you come around the first bend, you notice a familiar smell. You stop and take a deep breath in. It's a smell you haven't had the pleasure to connect with in quite some time. As you exhale, your shoulders start to relax. You feel connected to that memory, that happy memory. When you're ready, I want you to continue moving along the walls of your labyrinth. Feel the breeze on your face and the warmth of the sun. As you make your way around another turn, you notice you've come across a barrier. You put your head down thinking you were on the right path. And as you raise your head to see the barrier, you notice it's shifting, morphing showing you the cause of your pause on your soul's journey. I want you to remember you are empowered, strong and full of love. Take a minute and confront that barrier. Maybe you need to send it love. Maybe you need to reach down and offer forgiveness. However you face this barrier, Remember, you are in control. 
Take a few minutes acknowledging this barrier and then move it out of your way. How does that feel to know you came face to face with that wall and was able to move it out of your way ever so gently, allowing yourself to move forward. In doing so, you have changed the path of your labyrinth with the power of intentions, the strength of your soul's purpose. Which way will you follow to find the exit of this phase of your journey? I want you to trust your intuition and head in that direction now. As you round another bend, you notice a key suspended in the air. You walk over to that key and reach for it. And once you have that key in your hand, I want you to look closely at it. Take in the details, no matter how big or small. How does it feel in your hand? You find this key may have some direction for you in the upcoming months. Keys are to unlock doors to the potential waiting. Will there be a door at the end of this maze? You move swiftly as you come around and see in the distance what looks like the exit. You feel lighter, more empowered with every step. As you approach the door, you see it has some type of obstruction around it. You need to be able to move that out of your way to get that beautiful key into the keyhole. Take a step back and allow the obstruction to show itself to you. Give it a name, give it a voice, and then release it. As it's being released, feel it melt into the ground, into the soft dirt that's under your feet. You become even more relaxed knowing what's on the other side of that door is part of your life's path. You trust in yourself and the divine guidance you've been seeking. Take that key and place it into the keyhole. Great, now take a breath. And as you exhale, open the door when you are ready. Wonderful. You are opening the door to the new opportunities and possibilities waiting for you. When you're ready, step into the space and look around. Is there anyone there? Are there any familiar sights, sounds, smells? Do you see any tools that are at the ready for you to use on this next stop on your soul's journey? Take a moment and walk through the space, gathering what calls to you. And then make your way back to the door as we come back to our physical body, ready to make the next step towards self-enlightenment. All right, 
Now let's all come back through that door. Coming back to our physical bodies, connecting our mind, body, and spirit to find our breath again. Good. And on the next inhale, I want you to start to wiggle your fingers and toes. And on the exhale, roll out your shoulders and stretch your arms and legs out. Become aware of the smells and sounds in the room you're in. Remember, when you are ready to access the information you gathered today, all you need to do is connect with your higher self and your spirit team, and the movement forward will begin.